Hi, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Title of my talk today, Crafting Conversation Design in the Age of AI. Um, thank you very much for the intro. My name is Daniel Padgett, and I'm the head of conversation design um, at a, a small little startup called Google. Um, we're getting into this thing called search. We think it has a pretty bright future. Maybe you guys will try it soon. Um, I joined just over three years ago, and I've been growing a team that is focused on product design, platform capabilities, and scale, um, and also outreach and education. We have pretty healthy program around that and uh, helping people understand this kind of new interaction model um, and the best practices around it. I have to say that I'm really proud to be part of such a diverse team. Uh, we have um, linguists, cognitive scientists, musicians, creative writers, and interaction designers. We're pretty focused on creating a new discipline and a new interaction model for an emerging hardware and software ecosystem that supports increasingly personal, ambient, and natural user experiences. Now, we mix a bit of art and science and uh, do our best to really put people at the center. And we borrow very heavily uh, from what we know about human communication, human-to-human -human language, um, and we use those things to model conversational interactions that work dynamically across everything from smart speakers, like uh, the Amazon Echo that's sitting right in front of me, uh, all the way to things like mobile phones, smart displays, and uh, automobiles and televisions. Borrowing a bit from a gentleman named Douglas Rushkoff at a uh, place called Team Human, we're really aiming to optimize technology for a human future. It's kind of a motto that we've adopted. Now, I don't think it's controversial that we're, we're, we're at the beginning of a massive technological shift. We're rapidly moving away from a paradigm that required humans to learn how to interact with machines toward a new paradigm where advances in natural language technology and understanding, machine perception, computer vision, and more are completely flipping the script. They're enabling human-to-computer interactions that feel more natural, more intuitive, and more quote-unquote human. So I want to talk about that shift today, and I want to talk about how conversational user interfaces have been leading the way and driving adoption of these technologies and why that's happening. And then I want to share some examples of things that are happening in the market, hoping it will inspire new ideas from makers and creatives like yourself. So let's just get started and uh, start with the role conversational user interfaces have played in the shift here that we're seeing. In 2011, uh, Apple introduced Siri to the world and they launched it on iPhone. Uh, now, was that the first conversational user interface ever created? No. But it was the first that was right inside your pocket. And it was backed by a massively popular platform and focused square squarely on the consumer. So it really was a pivotal moment for sure. Three years later, Baidu reported that they received 10% of their queries through voice. Given their user base, that's a pretty serious number. Then in 2015, our friends from Apple came back and they announced that Siri was managing 1 billion queries per week, which is pretty impressive. And then it was that same year that Amazon launched Alexa on Echo, a voice-only device that uh, reached sales numbers that made it the fastest a selling speaker on the market, and they, they sold a ton of those things. People then put those in their kitchens, their living room, 
So Amazon showed that there was an appetite to skip the mobile phone in certain contexts and to, uh, so that they could get uh, quick access to answers and conduct actions via voice. So credit where credit is due, uh, Amazon kind of nailed it. In 2016, Microsoft reported that 25% um, of the searches on their Windows 10 taskbar uh, uh, were done through voice, and Google reported that uh, voice accounted for 20% of their searches on mobile. Later that year, Google launched Assistant. That was actually a product launch I was a part of, um, which is a conversational experience that pretty much spans you know, an ecosystem that includes hardware we make ourselves, and of course, hardware that's made by others. Um, admittedly, we've had some nice success there. Uh, we announced recently that we're going to be available on over 1 billion devices worldwide, um, probably within the next year. So the big question is why? Why now? Why is this happening? Why this shift? Uh, first of all, there's the practical matter of convergence. The technology reached a certain quality. The necessary uh, hardware became available. And everything worked, you know, latency and whatnot. Everything just worked over the networks that we had. But these things also translated to some serious user benefit. These machine-learned technologies and the advancements in hardware enabled speed, simplicity, and ubiquity. That meant that users could complete actions and get answers to their questions more quickly, more easily than the dominant paradigm, which was apps on mobile. And they could do it through more touch points as well. So let's talk first about speed. We live in an on-demand world, and people want things, and they want them quickly. Their favorite song, their favorite podcast, a quick answer. Um, and when you think about it, there really aren't any interactions that get what you need more quickly than a well-designed conversational action. There's just very little friction. So let's do a quick thought experiment. I'm sure who, who Let's say this, who doesn't have a mobile phone in here? That's what I thought. I did hear there's a speaker that has a uh, flip phone, um, interestingly. Um, but let's do this quick thought experiment. How many taps? You can pull out your phone if you want. You don't have to, but just do the experiment with me. How many touches and taps would it take for you to complete this transaction? What's 15 times 24? I think when I counted, it was something like 22 or something with you know unlocking and whatnot. How about this one? Play the latest album by Gorillaz on Spotify. Or any direct flights from London next Sunday? <coughs> these, the complexity of these queries actually increases, but the time it takes to complete them with voice is actually about the same. And what's really great is that it's even faster than taking out your mobile phone, swiping, tapping, touching your way to a result. Now, of course, I know that there are certain contexts where this just doesn't work and voice isn't an acceptable choice, but in the home, in the car, on the go with a set of headphones and your mobile phone, it's pretty compelling. Now, let's talk real quick about simplicity. The beautiful thing about a conversational interface is that there really is nothing that users need to learn. There's really nothing that you have to teach them. That's because we're bringing nearly 150,000 years of language evolution to these interactions. Perhaps more, some scholars place it farther back to about 500,000 years. There's some disagreement. But the point is that human communication, human language, it's so fine-tuned and so efficient, it's actually one of our most powerful interfaces. 
I mean, let's just take a look at this example. It's, two, it's 10 words between two people. But the exchange communicates so much, and I'm sorry that it's in English. Margaret on the left says, I need a drink. Has Margaret had a good day or a bad day? Probably a bad day. Does she want a glass of water or a cocktail? Cocktail. And when does she want to drink it? Right now. Laura on the right, she responds, I hear the eagle's good. Now, has Laura been to the eagle? Probably not, because she says, I hear it's good. She hasn't been there yet. Does it serve alcohol? Yes. Is it close by or is it far away? I would assume relatively close. And is it open? Let's hope so, because she knows that Margaret needs a drink right now. If she doesn't provide that information, then she's not being a very cooperative speaker or not really a good friend. 10 words. And all those questions were answered. And all of that context was shared. It's amazing, really, what we do with language and the, the blanks that we fill in with our shared knowledge. Now, if you think that we don't really bring any of this along with us when we talk to machines, you'd actually be mistaken. As a matter of fact, Stanford researchers, NASA and Brave, showed that we just can't help it. We're wired for speech, and that's actually the name of a book that they wrote. In fact, in one study, they showed that we automatically and unconsciously assign a personality to any voice that we hear, any voice, even if it's computer generated. And we do that in under a second. We assign gender, age, register, sometimes even socioeconomic status. We basically paint a picture in our mind of who's behind the voice on the other end of that interaction. Again, we're, we're just wired for this. You can't help it. And that's a large part of what makes conversational interactions feel so seamless, so natural, and so simple. And finally, let's talk about ubiquity, meaning the barrier to entry here is actually quite low. Let's think about it for a second. <coughs> At the moment, all you need is a microphone and a keyboard to start a conversation with, with a machine, one of those two tools. Setting aside things like laptops, smartwatches, and tablets, um, let's just take a, a look at mobile. There are 9 billion mobile phones in the world right now, roughly, and just about 8 billion people. So it's a pretty safe bet, if you're human, you have access to a microphone, a keyboard, a keyboard or both. It could be a T9 keyboard on a flip phone, a QWERTY keyboard on a smartphone, a smartphone <coughs> excuse me, or a microphone on a future phone. The point is that that's some seriously um, wide distribution, and that's great. But there's more than just the distribution. You know, many people um, don't have smartphones. They don't have an app ecosystem or even unlimited data plans that give them access to the type of information that a lot of us in this room take for granted. They use flip phones and feature phones, and they leverage cellular for voice calls and SMS, and those technologies have their limitations. But not anymore. These technologies, these conversational interactions, provide access. They provide access on any device, on any network, and they have the potential to be true universal gateways to the world's information and services. And if you ask me, that's pretty powerful stuff. All right, now let's take a look real quick at some of the emerging opportunities uh, for makers and creators in the world. First, 
with respect to arts and entertainment. These technologies could be leveraged to create interactive stories and interactive games, some of which you'll hear about in a bit. Um, there's also opportunity for co-performance and co-creation. True story, someone on my team actually got into the um, speech recognition and natural language understanding space because he wanted to create an interactive opera. I have yet to see it. I'm hoping that he's doing that soon. Another story, someone at Google developed an AI that could ingest movie scripts. They, they ingested sci-fi movie scripts, and then they produced their own movie script, and he made something with a filmmaker. It was one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, but it was very interesting <laughs> co-creation um, and dialogue. How about education? There's a lot of opportunity to augment the learning process. Conversational interfaces can be used to help with homework or spelling, flashcards for math, or step-by-step how-tos from everything on how to fix a bike or cook your favorite food. But maybe even more exciting, we've seen really rapid adoption of these technologies in areas where literacy and language have, tradi um, language have traditionally been barriers. People are using translation and text-to-speech capabilities on their mobile phones to read articles, publications, and journals that were previously out of reach for them. And I've also seen companies that are creating experiences that help teach people to read, uh, to write, and to practice those language skills anytime they want with an interactive bot. It's really interesting stuff. How about retail commerce? So there's the obvious, with the distribution and the access we discussed earlier, leveraging conversational technologies gives sellers more buyers and buyers more sellers. I actually have a story about that. I was in Japan recently, and um, I do not speak Japanese. And um, I buy a lot of glasses, frames. And um, a friend of mine who's Japanese sent me to a particular optician. None of them spoke English, so we instantly had a barrier, but I loved the, uh, the stuff that they had, and um, I was in there browsing, and nobody was helping me, and it was, it was because <laughs> we knew that there was gonna be a language barrier, and I was, I was about to walk out because I just wasn't really finding what I needed. But then I remembered, oh, mobile phone and the Google Translate app. I pulled that out, and I started an interaction with uh, the, the, the gentleman, Leclerc, and ended up buying three pairs over an hour, and it was actually the best retail experience I've ever had, and we were using a Translate app on a mobile phone. It was really quite impressive. There's also some real opportunity for direct marketers um, in this particular space uh, to drive awareness, to improve engagement, increase sales. Well-designed on-brand chatbots uh, serve as some precedent here. They've proven to drive real business benefit, and they've even outpaced some of their more traditional uh, counterparts on key metrics. There's a company that I uh, follow that builds these kinds of experiences. They've been working with big brands in the uh, beauty market. And according to case studies that they've published, one of their chatbots uh, generated uh, engagement that was 27 times higher than email marketing. And with another bot, they saw a 51% increase in their click-through rate, and on both of those things, they had really, really high um, satisfaction marks with their consumers, um, reaching into the uh, high 80s and low 90s. Last category <coughs> I'll touch on. There's a lot of opportunity in healthcare. Um, I'm really excited to see what, what happens here. Um, 
For example, we can think about how this can help with uh, adherence to treatments, uh, helping people stay on top of their therapy with reminders, uh, coaching, answers that they might have about their medications or their therapy, uh, helping them with appointments, scheduling, rescheduling, um, and communications with a care team, and even perhaps bedside assistance. Right now you have to press a red button and a nurse comes in and you have to have a conversation about um, the, the things that you need. Well, what if you had a device and you could ask and that could be translated over to the nurse so that it saves everybody time and then more special care can be given to that patient or to others, real time saver. Um, and lastly, I think about um, going back to Japan, there's an increasing elderly population there and I think this is also a worldwide phenomenon. According to projections of the Japanese uh, government, the population is going to um, reach uh, this, I should say, the over 65 population is going to reach about 40% by 2060. So um, there, it's basically quadrupling in a, a very short amount of time. And so as a part of their approach to this, the government has funded research around the use of conversational user interfaces, robotics, and other AI. And they're looking at this to see what they can help, what they can do to help this population. And they've seen some pretty great results. Participants in studies have reacted positively to how these software and hardware solutions have helped them with things like memory loss, feelings of loneliness, and even a sense of a loss of independence. So these are very difficult problems, and we're seeing that these human-like technologies have been shown to help with their overall well-being. So again, some very positive results. Anyway, with that, I'm going to say thank you and uh, to the conference and the organizers and to the hosts and to my speakers. Here's some resources if you're interested in checking some things out. Again, thank you very much. Would love to speak to you later. Thank you.